Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I want to talk about charcuterie boards. I need to. I, I know that I make, I put four blocks of cheese out, some grapes if I'm being super gourmet, a couple, a, a couple Marcona almonds, some interesting crackers, and call it a day. Truffle cheese means I'm elevated, okay? And after those boards, there's always a lot of waste. Sorry, I slice salami too if we're doing, and I sometimes do with all vegan cheese and whatever. But I know on those days, there's a lot of goddamn waste. So I can't imagine the nationwide TikTok and Instagram waste going on right now from these elaborate charcuterie boards, making flowers, piling mounds of almonds. It also seems like a COVID Petri dish of just hands grabbing at every little thing. It looks disgusting. It looks good for two minutes oozing brie that's been baked and wrapped in walnuts or candy or goddamn sugar something oozing onto the boards. It looks disgusting. We get it. You could put salami in a glass and make a fucking flour. We got it. You can make a swan out of a napkin also. Let's take charcuterie boards back to being simple. That big pile of slop is going right in the garbage can with all that chopped bread that nobody eats. Mini, mini gherkins, mini little, what do you call those? Like mini pickles 
I forgot there's another cornichons. How many friends do you have that are eating cornichons and eating capers off that like long stem and like all this shit? I come, people come over, I do the olives, people eat two olives. No one's ever devouring to the bottom of the olives or just like eating piles of like fruits and pecans and all this shit. Can we just cancel charcuterie boards at this level at this time? Let me just say something. Can we just at least minimalize charcuterie boards, please? Can we just have a little section of salon? Less is more. Mounds and mounds. It's volcanoes of dried nuts and apricots. And I've just never seen. If you show me a finished charcuterie board, I'll honestly send you into the towers of heaven. I just, I've never seen it. I've seen finished bowls of pasta, finished bowls of Gigi Hadid's pasta, finished, you know, mounds of of Emily's, what Marco's, whatever the Sriracha man is, seaweed program, but I've just never seen a completed charcuterie board. Cancel me if you like. Maybe it's also, I'm bitter. I don't know how to make a great one. I just hate waste also. I bet you I could do it. I just don't like a lot of waste. My assistant and my producer love charcuterie plates. I'm worried I'm going to get canceled. I literally thought that I was going to get canceled because of my discussions about kale. Uh, and I'm worried. I am worried that the charcuterie community is going to have a real problem with me. So I just want to apologize in advance. Um, bear with me. It's my wood platter, my choice. So I just, I'm sorry for the controversial conversation about charcuterie boards <laughs> i i'm gonna get canceled what do you think anyone with me oh today i'm talking with julia hart this one gets a little feisty so this podcast begins with a little resistance and a little back and forth. And I have to sort of take the steering wheel because what goes on on Just Be, as you know, is about you hearing someone's journey to success. And I have my own way and, you know, I have my own methodology of getting there. So Julia Hart initially wasn't quite with the program and you'll see how we had to adjust a little bit today. So buckle up going to be an interesting and enjoyable conversation that takes many twists and turns. She is the co-owner and CEO of Elite World Group and star of the Netflix show, My Unorthodox Life. She is certainly controversial. Julia has the most fascinating life story. She was raised ultra-Orthodox Jewish and left the religion after having children. She had to leave so much of her life and community behind, but left with a plan. She took her entire life savings and launched her first shoe brand, since then, she has built an incredible empire, including her wildly successful talent agency. We talk religion, power, marriage, all of it. You're going to love this interview. You will have your own opinion, and you will want to order her upcoming book, Brazen, for sure. Check it out. Hello? Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. I'm excited. Um, this is going to be interesting. They're all different, but this is, <laughs> this is going to be uh, interesting. Right now, you have a show called My Unorthodox Life, and it's yep. current, meaning you're promoting it now. Well, uh, I mean, it aired in July of this year, and we've right. just been very fortunate that the press has not subsided because I just think people are interested in the story. 
And, you know, I think it just gives people hope. Uh, okay. And I think people need hope, you know. Got it. Okay. So um, we'll get into your whole trajectory, but uh, what what was your name when you were born? Originally, Yulia Leibov. So th- that's a Hebrew name? Russian. I was born in Moscow. A Russian name. Mm-hmm. So what made you change your name and when did oh, you Oh my gosh, there's a long name change. So I started off Yulia, right? It's a Russian name, which when I came to America became anglicized into Julia. And I kept Julia until 12th grade. When I was in 12th grade, uh, you know, you have to think about, you know, go back a hundred years where a woman's choice was a good marriage or a bad marriage, right? So all I thought about was how to get a good shidduch, a good match. And everyone in my community, except for a few odd exceptions here and there, most people were Hannah, Rachel, Leah, Sima, Bracha. And so I was Julia. I had a secular name. And so um, I was told that I would have a better chance at securing a more righteous husband with a Hebrew name. So in 12th grade, before I started dating, I changed my name to Talia. Ah, okay. And then when I left the community, I went back to the name I was given, which was Julia. Okay, so this is, so you're a child and you were born in Russia? hmm Okay, and when did you come here? So honestly, like the whole past is not something that we cover in the show because it's all in my book. And it's such a crazy story and it's such a complex one. I mean, it was literally, I think, I can't remember the exact page count that I handed in, but it was somewhere around 1,700 pages. Okay. Um, We've cut it down to a nice manageable, a little under 500, hopefully. Um, So it's definitely, you know, an easy read, but it's a long story. And so, you know, it's an impossible one to tell uh, the, the whole trajectory of my life on a, you know, like on a soundbite. It's just, it's not I get it. I, I get it because I, if someone says to me, what religion are you? It's, it's a long question conversation. If someone says yeah. like 13 schools, but we have to get granular on some level. So we'll have to make an attempt at it just yeah. to just, just I'll take, I'm not going to, I don't want to know, frankly, every single intimate detail. I just want to get an, I have a place where yeah. I'm going. So okay. when did you come from Russia to the United States? It's actually a really interesting story because we were traded for grain. Um, in the seventies, there were uh, there was a lot of anti-Semitism in Russia, and my parents were studying Judaism illegally under the table, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got my father got caught, and so there was this huge uh, movement in America at the time, and it was called "Let My People Go," mm-hmm. and it was about people like my family that are called refuseniks because they were refused to emigrate out of the, Russia, and so. Basically, America, I think it was called the Varick Bill, America traded Jews for grain. For grain? Yeah, because there was a huge hunger and grain shortage in Russia. And America did a grain embargo because of all of the Russian civil rights violations, particularly anti-Semitism. And so in the end, um, the decision reached was they would literally trade Jews for grain. Unbelievable. And so my family was one of the families that was brought over to America because of this organization. So, And what age were you then? We left when I was three. 
Okay. Uh, and by the time, it was a very long journey because um, you it was run by this organization called Hyas. And basically, you went to internment camps first before they placed you. Ah. So first, we went to an internment camp in Austria. Then we wow. went to an internment camp in Rome, where wow. I actually got to meet the Pope because he was really um, very supportive in helping um, these Jewish uh, refuseniks come out of Russia. So I lived in Rome for six months. And by the time we made it to the United States, I was five years old. So as I said, it's a really long story. But I mean, it, it tells, those little moments tell something about you culturally, things oh, yeah. that you've it's experienced, book, transition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you get to, um, but when you came to where? Did you come to Brooklyn? Oh, no, no. I, um, so the way that Hyas worked is a Jewish community in a state or a city would adopt a family. Okay. And so- we were adopted by the Jewish community in Austin, Texas. Oh, so you were in Austin. Okay. I lived in Austin until I was 11. Okay. As I and said, then, there's just so much and it's, no, I yeah. promise it's all in the book. <laughs> no, I understand. If you want, but we're not going to only, if you want, this is not the place to really just talk about a book that's not interesting to people. What's, no, what no, I'm just saying I'd rather talk about are. what I'm doing now because the past really gets covered in the book. Yeah, but this show is about your trajectory to where we are right now. So we're, that's, I mean, if, if you've ever listened, I mean, Jeffrey Katzenberg yeah. is, was willing to talk about his childhood. So frankly, yeah, I'm, I'm happy just, to talk about my childhood. Yeah, I just, yeah. if you yeah. want, listen, I'm going to drive because I want to give this audience what they deserve. But we don't just come on here to promote stuff. Like, that's not what this is. This, I've it done is, that, is it, and that's what when I When I say yeah. the book, my dear, I'm not talking about promoting the book. I'm saying no, it's I mean all about promoting in your the current. Book. Yeah, but we everybody here isn't necessarily going to. That's what I'm saying. We we just have to get on the same page because we can do this another day. I just want you to know that I want to understand who you are as a woman, as a businesswoman, as a person. And even Cameron Diaz took two minutes about her wine. I want to understand who she is. So everybody's sort of been Hillary Clinton has been cool with this syllabus. It, again, you know it's I mean? not that I don't want to talk about. It. I'm just wondering what the right time to talk about. Why don't you let me drive? If you don't okay. like it, none of this has to air, but just let me, <laughs> let me drive the car. Go, That's okay. go for it. Okay. So you come to New York and cause I don't want to hear your whole life story. That's not what the show is about, but I, I have to have a reason. There's a reason you're successful. A trajectory. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I gotcha. I so, gotcha. um, if you come to, so then you come to New York and you're, so when you say religion, so your life has been being an orthodox Jew. Like if someone says I'm a, so ultra Orthodox Jew, ultra, that's why I'm saying. So there's the, this is a 10 out of 10 of the most strictly religious Jew in your exactly. opinion. Meaning okay. it's, it's what is sometimes called the black hat community right? or the yeshivish community. It is not orthodoxy. It is an extreme form of orthodoxy. So it's not necessarily, is it, is it the men are wearing the payas and the women are no, wearing that's wigs? Hasidus. So the difference between Hasidic and yeshivish interestingly enough, is actually intellect versus emotion. And let me explain what that means. Okay. So Hasidus began somewhere in the 1700s. It's very relatively new in the Orthodox world. It was started by this man named the Baal Shem Tov, who started this movement because until the 1700s, um, the way that Orthodox Jews related to religion was through the study of the Torah and the Talmud and the Gemara, right? The central place of 
Orthodox Judaism until Hasidus was the yeshiva, the, the place of learning. So it was mm-hmm. all about learning and intellectual connection to God, studying the Talmud, studying the Gemara, all of that. What happened in the 1700s is Jews were leaving Judaism by the droves because most of them were impoverished. They lived uh, as, you know, they tilled the land, they were agriculturally involved, and many of them were illiterate. And so they were leaving Judaism because they didn't have that connection, that intellectual connection. So the Baal Shem Tov came along and said, wait, you can connect to God even if you don't know how to read, even if you're illiterate, even if you can't afford to send your son to a yeshiva. And Hasidus became centered in prayer, in love of God, in Got it. Okay. an emotional connection. So that's really the only difference. And so whereas a Hasidic woman will cover her hair with a short wig and a pillbox hat, we would cover our hair with a longer wig. But in both directions, we're covering our hair. So right. my community wear a black felt hat, their community will wear a black fur hat. But the reality is the differences are so minute that it's not really applicable. Well, and it's interesting because you left this life and I, you know, I don't want to stay too far in that because I, I go too far in that because I want to talk about business, but I do think it's an interesting conversation. How did you personally feel inside and know that you wanted a different life? Like how can a child understand who they are? And I have this in my own house with my daughter with what she wants and doesn't want. I find it fascinating and I don't push her with anything, but the more children seem to be pushed, the more they rebel. So explain that to me, that dynamic for people. I mean, it's like really three really good questions rolled into one. So let me try and do all the touch points because those are really good points. So to answer the first one about tradition and, you know, people wanting to maintain their faith, I respect that. And I think it's very beautiful. I think modern orthodoxy does it in a way where they keep the traditions, they're keeping Shabbos, they're keeping the holidays, they're following the traditions, but it's called modern orthodoxy for a reason because they have modernized the parts of those traditions that were excluding women or treating women differently. So for example, my son is in a school, which is a modern orthodox school, where they learn all the traditions, all the beautiful practices, but women study Talmud. The classes are co-ed. They go to college. They're completely immersed in the outside world while still following the tradition, keeping the religion, so forth and so on. And I think that's beautiful and wonderful. And I have zero issue with it. I'm so grateful that a school like my son goes to exists. It's been now eight years since I've been out and, you know, at least eight years of preparation when I was in. So it was a very, very gradual transformation. Ah. We just slowly became more and more modern. So so you didn't like reject the whole thing and go the opposite direction. That's not your Not story. Definitely not initially. It was Got a it. slow, slow process. And you see with my kids, it everyone comes to it in a different time. And you, and it's not, when it comes to faith and when it comes to, you know, things that have, you know, to me, have been indoctrinated in me, you know, that it's my responsibility that a man doesn't sin, that, you know, that all women are put on the earth for the same reason to be wives and mothers. This, this idea that this is what God wants out of every man. And this is what God wants out of every woman. 
those ideas are the ones that destroyed me. Well, all, yes. And I would imagine you probably still have triggers now where you still feel guilty about something that you intellectually and emotionally know is not correct, but like it's in your body. I love what you're saying because you get me like that. Yes. You know, the hardest thing is honestly, it's not even guilt over doing some things. It's, you know, when people try to negate what happened to me um, or say, oh, doesn't sound so bad. And, you know, I think that religion is sometimes used as an excuse for a multitude of bad behavior. And once you cross the line, you're out. Like you, ha- you oh can't be God. swimming in between. Yeah, I'm scared to go back to Muncie. I have not gone back. I am petrified. Right. I cannot go back. I've had death threats. I had to change my phone number. It took me eight years to have the courage to tell the story. Eight Fascinating. years. Yeah. It's not right. an easy story to tell. And I knew that people, because you can't argue with the rules, right? It's inarguable that women are covered head to toe. It is inarguable that they're married off as teenagers. It is inarguable that they're not allowed to, that they don't live alone or have real careers. Women in my community work to support their husband and their family so that the husband can go learn Torah and not be bothered with anything. They're expected to have children, raise children, make money, but again, within the community uh, and do everything so that the man can achieve greatness. It's always greatness by proxy. I am very proud to be a Jew. But that doesn't negate the fact that these laws are wrong. They've changed in every other culture. I was reading in a newspaper the other day that the Pope is meeting about reforms in the church. Every religion has reformed itself, has modernized itself, has acknowledged that women are equal to men and are as capable of doing anything that a man can do. And that we are, to me, it's all, it's really two core foundational concepts that to me almost, I mean, almost destroyed me. I wanted to die. Um, and those two foundational concepts are number one, this idea that every, that you are, your destiny is determined by your biology. That is the first foundational flaw because think about it. The, you know, men say, thank you God for not making me a woman, right? They, every man says that when they wake up in the morning. Why do they say that? Their excuse for saying that is, well, men have more mitzvot. They've got more positive commandments because they're commanded to learn the Torah. They're commanded to go to synagogue. They're commanded to become scholars. Women don't have those uh, those commandments. And that's why men are saying, thank you, God, for making me a man, for giving me more commandments. I don't think anyone's sitting there saying, I want to hurt women. I don't believe that. I believe that as long as these laws are perpetuated, Women are going to suffer by definition. This idea that all women are put on earth to do one thing and all men are put on earth to do the other is the problem because some women do not want to have children. Some women do not want to get married. Some women without any, you know, who want to have children desperately and badly cannot have children. So this idea that all women were put on this earth for purpose X and all men were put on this earth for purpose Y is the problem. Some women want to be scholars. Some women are erudite. Some women are brilliant and philosophical and they want to study the Talmud. Some men want to be caregivers and stay at home with their children. This construct that just because you have a breasts and a uterus, every woman is the same and should act the same way and should have the same purpose in life 
That's the crux of it. That's why they got married off at 19. That's why even when they work, like for example, when I was in my community, um, you know, your job was to get married, to support your husband. And these were the jobs available, right? You go to seminary and you become either a teacher in a school there, or you become a secretary to a religious person, or you become a babysitter or a sheitolah or someone who does wigs. So all of these things are jobs within the community that don't require a college education and that will never make you a career person, but that you're doing just to support your husband so he can become great, so he can become the scholar. And your entire life, like I grew up on stories, um, like I'll give you an example. We learned about this Rebetzin. A Rebetzin is someone who's married to a rabbi, right? Mm-hmm. Not a rabbi, not a female rabbi. Right. Right. And the story told is that um, she gave birth in her home, which had no air conditioning because she didn't, and, and it was, you know, uh, broiling hot summers, but she didn't want to complain because then her husband would have to worry about money and his sole job was to learn Torah. And one day she's giving birth in at her home and she didn't cry out from uh, any pain. She, even though she was, you know, suffering tremendous pain of childbirth because she didn't want to interrupt her husband's learning. Those are the stories we're taught. Self-abnegation, negating of yourself so that your husband can be great. It's not that women can become scholars. It's not that women can become erudite. They can't become rabbis. And it's not that, not just that we weren't commanded to do these things. We were prohibited from doing them. Prohibited. Guys, like, come on, it's crazy. So you can attack me, you can yell at me, but those laws are there. And you cannot tell me that they're not. And now, of course, they've added to the jobs. You know, like now women in the community, they have like these, you know, we're going to call them colleges in parentheses because it's like Bulka U, you know, it's rabbi approved, only girls within the community. And they become OT or PT or... uh, and all within the Jewish religious school system. And why are they doing this? Because it's their job to also support the family while the husband learns Torah. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico. My accent's not the best, but I'm trying. But... I know Puerto Rico well. I've been there so many times. I Be Strong has done so many missions after Hurricane Maria. It is more than just a name. It is a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. 
The unique Bariqua spirit infuses the island's culinary landscape with a one-of-a-kind passion and point of view unlike anywhere else. I love Puerto Rico. I've been there twice in the last year. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Do you feel that women in these communities are whispering and say, you know, have these like sort of either inappropriate thoughts or snicker together and talk about it. But um, you must be too many of them, sort of this person that got out. You have to be receiving secret messages. Literally thousands, thousands upon thousands. I mean, some of them are so powerful. Um, Recently, two women from my community, one of which was a neighbor of mine, reached out to me saying, thank you for sharing your story. We were so afraid to share ours. And both of them attempted suicide, both of them. But that doesn't mean every woman there is unhappy. There's thousands and tens of thousands of women just like, and again, this is what I keep on reminding people. This is not a happiness contest, right? Go back into 1970 when a woman couldn't get a mortgage without a man's signature. Does that mean every woman in the 1970s was unhappy? No, of course not. Does that mean that the law was unjust? Yes, absolutely. So it isn't about happiness. You could be happy living in a box because you that's the only thing that's you know. That's the only thing you know. That doesn't mean that it's right. So, wow. Okay, well, this is a seven-hour conversation. As right. You, that's, you see, now you got my, my it's conundrum. It's important for us to tip. You're on here. I'm a woman. And I love believe it. Me. No, I love it. You get me. I don't, I don't have anything against any person in the community, even the people attacking me. I understand. You know, for some, all I'm doing is asking for change of laws. That's it. Very simple. Free women. Free women. Make us equal. Don't tell us that our that we're defined by our biology. Don't tell us that we have to hide in our houses, cover our bodies, wear wigs. Not ever. I mean, do you see any base yak of that's the school that I went to? Did you see any base yak of graduates on um, who can dance or um, you know? You don't see these people out singing or dancing. You can dance, but just not in front of men. Not in public. 
not uncovered, not wearing pants. You can ride a bike or maybe you can't, but you know, but it's, you have to wear your skirt. You have to worry if your knees show. All of this is a constant restraint and this idea that you as a woman are responsible for men controlling themselves. And so your life has to be smaller so that they don't have to bother. And that's wrong. It's just wrong. I get it, but you have a, it's very important. I'm glad you broke through. You're starting this conversation. You're in this conversation and you've fully committed to it because you're going to have a lot of enemies. But the truth of the matter is you, you ripped the bandaid off. You're in this now. So you're going all the way. So I'm fucked. You're going all the way. Yeah, no, I, it's, I get it. I'm a, you're a polarizing person now, but you know, you're the first. So here we go. Um, all right. So as far as business, you are a businesswoman. I mean, did you think as a child that you had something like, what was it or, or, or your whole trajectory mm, of like mm, business and success yeah. and like do inside what was going on? And then how did you put one foot in front of the other to become a business person? You know, you mentioned your daughter and, um, that really is the crux of everything in my life. Because as you say, even as a young child, you know, we were taught in elementary school what our purpose in life was. You know, when I got to seminary, which some people tried to compare to college, I'm sorry. Seminary is about as, as equivalent to college as I am, you know, tall. And I'm five yeah. feet. So let's just, uh, we it's one year of intense do- indoctrination. And the perfect example is that the first day we walked into seminary, um, the principal said, and I quote, you have been told that we are known for brainwashing our students. Well, we do, because whose brain doesn't need a little washing? Mm. So when you go through this whole process, you are so indoctrinated to believe that your only purpose in life is as a helpmate to someone so that he can attain greatness, so that your sons could be scholars. You're, and I asked when I was there, I asked the principal and I said, I don't understand. Why can't girls study the Talmud and the Gemara? I asked that question when I was 18 years old. This is what the men are studying and the women are not allowed to study the religious. Yeah. And those tractates are where all, yeah, you are not, a woman is not just not commanded to study the Talmud or the Gemara or the Mishnah, all the places that hold all the laws that govern our lives. We are forbidden from doing so. What are the consequences for all of these rules that we're talking about to not wear the skirt, mm. to not wear the thing? What are the consequences? So imagine, did you ever watch Bridgerton? No, Okay. but I want to. If you've ever read anything about Regency England or Victorian England or anything where the reputation of the girl and the family is going to determine the shidduch, the match, and that's what the whole life is about. The better match you can get, the better your life is. And that means money, doesn't it? It means money, but it also means that the principal, because who's the person who gets asked about a prospective girl? The principal of her high school, the principal of her seminary. And so if she didn't behave or if she was inappropriate. The principal of a high school is asked if a man wants to marry a young woman. They're involved in this decision. The parents will call the school to get in. For, again, you have to think about it as like. 18- it's like interviewing for a job. It's my, the wife. I got asked the craziest questions. I mean, they're all in my book, but like, I'll just give you one example. I was asked what kind of bananas I would buy. Slightly green, ripe or overripe. And the only correct answer, guess what the correct answer is? Uh, are you supposed to bake? Because they'd be overripe if you're baking and cheaper. 
Um, yeah, there you go. So okay. the answer is if it's, um, if it's not ripe yet, then you're not having trust and faith in God and you're preparing for the future. So that's okay. no good. Okay. If it's just ripe, then you're, uh, uh, you know, you're high maintenance and you buy the most expensive things. If you say an overripe banana, that means you can suffer for the sake of heaven and you will be a better wife to your husband. I was taught when I was dating, dating, right? You're supposed, you have a few hours to meet your prospective husband. You get out to go out a few times and going out, you're not allowed to ever be alone together. So it has to be in a place with a group of people you can't touch or kiss or shake hands or do anything else. And you basically have a few hours as a teenager to decide who you will be spending the rest of your life with. Did you get a good one? I mean, he's a lovely person, but it's not someone I should ever have married. No, but in the world of that world, was it a good shidduch? Oh, what is a good shidduch? Not from the, like, that side, not as much as my siblings, because he also is a Baal Tshuva, meaning he does, he, his family was not religious either. And so that, you know, has a stigma attached to it in that world. Got right? it. It's, it's like being a blue blood. You both were like... B minus Jews. So exactly. B minus Jews. Yeah, exactly. Got so it. it what my siblings got much more, let's say, in the community's lexicon, much more prestigious matches, right? And so your whole life is governed by your match. Everything in your life. So it keeps your parents in line because if they do something inappropriate, the rabbi that the parent the, the prospective in-laws will call will say, mm, no. They're not an idle family. What tablecloth you used in your house could stop a shit You know, so your entire life, that's what's hold, held over your head. Like, for example, when I first became irreligious. You're irreligious. That's what you consider yourself? Irreligious. Yeah, I'm not. I'm completely not a religious child. That's why I asked about your child being in a religious school that has to do with your child's father, I see. I mean, I, again, to me, yeah, if that's what he wants, I'm super happy with that as long as it's in a school where he can also get a good secular education and where he can go to an Ivy League college and live a full, fulfilling life. If he wants to stay religious, that is his choice and I... I've never forced my children to do anything that they did not want to do. I've let them all come on the journey in their own way, in their own time. My but you have goal, to collaborate with an ex. Like and anybody I, and else. he's lovely. And he's a lovely person. And by the way, he has moved out of the community. Interesting. He no longer lives in Muncie. Okay. Well, so how did you break out and how did you become a business person? I read that you started to sew when you were 16. So you yeah. use some of the skill sets of this culture oh, absolutely. To, to be successful. So let's hear about that. Well, to me, honestly, the my biggest strength is threefold. Number one, I am a studier by nature, right? And that's why it killed me that I couldn't even study the laws, the books that governed my entire life. I was forbidden from studying that. But even if you didn't want it to be your life, you wanted to understand and just take, have knowledge. I wanted to understand why my life was like this. Got and it. no one would explain it to me. So I wanted to read it myself and okay. say, this doesn't make sense. But of course I was literally forbidden from doing so. And, you know, I, and of course I did it anyway. I taught myself Aramaic. I would, you know, argue with rabbis and constantly get in trouble. One rabbi told me the Maharal would turn over in his grave to be quoted by a woman. That's the kind of attitude there. Got it. And so, but I love intellectual pursuit. I am a, I am a student by nature. I, you know, I love to learn. And so um, when I decided that I was going to leave, it was a very long process. 
And the, the last eight years in my community was a very purposeful education about the outside world, even if I was still on the outside looking in. Got but it. I read everything I could get my hands on. Voltaire, Euripides, Descartes, wow. Spinoza. Uh, I mean, literally, you name it, I promise you I have read it. And that's how I educated myself. And so unbelievable to me, that ability to continue learning, because I think you probably see this as well in your industry. Don't you find that when people are young, they're very proud of how quickly they can learn, right? What are you proud of in high school or in college? Uh, what grades you get for learning, for growing and, new, and, and, and learning new knowledge, ingesting knowledge. As we get older, we get proud of something that to me is the most detrimental thing in the world. We get proud of what we know and we stop thinking about what we don't know. We become set in our ways. People now, youth is proud of their social media impact, sadly, or not sadly. And I think as people get older, they're, they, they, they get proud of what they have. So also sadly. I wish, I wish that kids were proud of what they learned and I wish that people were proud of what they know. You know, I mean, I think a little bit of that being like talking about politics and talking about religion and having an opinion at a table. I mean, to that, I agree with what you're saying. I was talking more from like a, a business sense that think about it this way, like how many times, and I'm sure you've been told this, that's not the way it's done or this is how it's done. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. That's what I'm talking about. But I want everyone to know that this has been a very different interview and I knew it would be that Julia is a very, very, very successful mogul female entrepreneur who came from, could not be less of a traditional background. So now I want you to help us bridge, you know, elite and La Perla and fashion and there to here. So, you know, you asked me the question, I mentioned your daughter because, you know, as, as I said, my entire life there, I felt that something was wrong. But I thought it was that I was the flaw, meaning every woman around me seemed to be happy to listen to her husband, to ask him for permission, to be a housewife and a mother, to work as a secretary or a PT or an OT or whatever was allowed in the community. And it wasn't enough for me. And you so thought I something thought, was wrong with you. I thought I'm flawed. And right. because the problem was that my nature is not shy. It's not quiet. It's not retiring. I'm not a homemaking kind of person. And my only outlet of creativity was cooking because it was the only thing I was allowed to do. Right. And because, you know, fashion, clothing in that world are made to conceal. Right. To hide yourself. And here's Julia wearing colorful clothes. And I would argue all the time and say, hey, I'm covered head to toe. Oh, you were trying to push the boundaries all the I time. I pushed the boundaries as much as I could there. I got okay. in trouble for it, obviously, Okay. all the time. But I did push the boundaries because I would say... I'm, I'm following the law, right? And they would say, yeah, but it's not the spirit of the law, Julia. You're too noticeable. You're too loud. Why can't you just stay home? Why can't you be like other women? But then my daughter, Miriam, when she was literally a, a peanut, a little child, she started asking those questions. She would come home crying saying, I want to be a boy because boys were able to do things she wasn't allowed to do. Wow. And she kept on crying and saying, Ema, why can't I do X and Y if boys can't? And my husband would say to her, well, it's not so appropriate. Someone could see your knees. And she would literally say, but why is that my fault? Why can't he worry about that? And to hear it out of this little baby, this little child, it gave me permission to recognize that it's not that I'm crazy. These laws are wrong. Right. And so once she gave me permission 
to question, she's also the reason I, in the end, walked out that door because she was so miserable. I mean, she would come home crying every day. It was really horrible. And you walked out that door, like you had the conversation and you were out. I had, yeah. I mean, you know, my original plan and I talk about it very glibly and lightly, and I don't think people really understand. I wanted to die. I was at such a level of despair that the only way I saw out was death. It's not a joke. It's not something, you know, I don't think people can understand what it feels like to constantly be told that your innate self is that. Imagine being gay or trans in that community. Well, that's like- Miriam. It's Miriam, right? She oh. has a, yeah, Miriam is a bisexual. She has a beautiful Swiss girlfriend. Oh, how old is she? She's 21. So she, and interesting. Fa- and oh, I didn't even know that. she was dying on the inside. I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it. And that she's the only reason I didn't kill myself. Because I realized if I die, she gets to live the life that I have and she'll be as miserable and tortured as I was. And so I, I, that's what gave me the courage to walk out the door. And being told now, oh, well, what's the big deal? She looked great. It isn't about how well I looked or how, you know, how smiley I was. I'm a smiley person. I wanted to die. No, but I also get you didn't want to leave her. No, I, that's the only reason I left. I couldn't do it. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico or Puerto Rico. My accent's not the best, but I'm trying. But I know Puerto Rico well. I've been there so many times. I Be Strong has done so many missions after Hurricane Maria. It is more than just a name. It is a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. The unique Bariqua spirit infuses the island's culinary landscape with a -a one-of-a-kind passion and point of view unlike anywhere else. I love Puerto Rico. I've been there twice in the last year. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tell everyone what your career is because this is the craziest arc <laughs> ever. And I know that I read that you were very high at La Perla. Like you had a major job. I was a creative director. You were creative director at La Perla. How did you get that job? And also the garment industry is very connected to this community. A different kind of garment industry. They're more, you know, in the, what we call the schmata business, right? And also not as high end, right? It's more right. the mass market kind of clothing. Got so. It. Um, the reality is, so I had said the one thing is, you know, the fact that I'm a voracious reader and I, and I educate myself and that ability to constantly, I sometimes, and I know this is going to sound crazy, but I can see the future. I'm not stuck in what is, I'm always focused on what should be or could be. You're playing chess. You, you got five yeah, moves I, ahead. I'm always yeah, 17. I, yeah. I've planned. I mean, it took me eight years to leave. It was yeah. not something that happened overnight. I planned it down to the last Thing. But you weren't sure you were going to do it. You were planning, but doubting, but planning, but... Yeah, meaning I was planning, but too afraid to do it. You, you were know? sleep dreaming it, but while you were exactly, awake... Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Because to actually walk out the door is a whole separate thing. Well, that's like sleeping with the enemy, the whole plan. You had to have the whole bag. But yeah, and you still weren't sure if you're going to do it. So then, then where did you walk to? And then, but so my entire life, as you said, I started sewing. I taught myself how to sew at 16. The first thing I made was a silver, um, taffeta, you know, that silk taffeta. Thank you. So the first thing I made, of course, I didn't know that taffeta is really difficult to sew with. And I didn't have a sewing machine. So I taught myself how to sew by hand and I would sneak, um, Vogue used to have go back to the eighties, these, um, patterns. Mm -hmm. So I would take Vogue patterns and I would sneify them, meaning I had to make them modest, right? Mm -hmm. So it would have to have a high collar and longer sleeves. So the first thing I did was this silver taffeta peplum dress mm -hmm. that I wore to my friend who was getting married in 12th grade, my friend who was 18, who was getting married. And I brought a thread and a needle to the wedding because I had a feeling that something would unravel <laughs> mid-wedding because it was literally the first thing I ever made. Um, and by the way, something did unravel, but I managed to run into the bathroom and sew it back up. So fashion was something I was fascinated with literally since I'm old enough to have a memory. I taught myself how to draw. I would, you know, buy books on the sly, buy magazines on the sly, hide drawings in my underwear drawer. I mean, fashion. And I was always getting in trouble for being too colorful, for being too noticeable. And I would keep on saying, 
the day that God stops creating flowers and color, that's the day that I'll stop wearing color. You cannot Got show, it. show me where it says that God doesn't like color. Show me. Got it. I want right. to see it. So I followed all the laws, but as I got closer and closer to leaving, I started arguing with all of the things that you couldn't prove to me were a law. Pushing the boundaries. And you wanted the religion to break up with you. Yes, exactly. So when I left, I figured, okay, I've just traveled 200 years in the future. Oh my God. Great way to say it. You just like the world went from black and white to color. It was a world of no to a world of yes. And it really was me living in the 1800s where matches were everything, where a woman's life was determined by her biology. And then you walk into the 21st century. Think about it. I'd never been to a bar. I didn't know about contracts. I'd never heard of an invoice. I didn't know anything. I'd never been on a date with someone I'd chosen. I'd never kissed a man I'd chosen. So, you know, when you think about those things... I was so clueless. I was literally a two-year-old on one hand. And on the other hand, I had talent and drive and hunger and ambition. But did you have any money? I had earned some money while I was in the community. Okay. Um, Of course, it disappeared literally like in five minutes because I put everything into the company. Um, And so the first few years were so difficult. I Into a sewing company? A fashion company? My shoe company, yeah. A shoe company. And that's how I got to La Perla. Because La Perla did a co-branding with my shoes because at the time they were trying to become a full fashion brand and they had hired three or four other creative directors and the things weren't selling. And so they were going in out and looking for partners, someone to co-brand with. And so that's how that started. La Perla co-branded with Julia Hart, uh, which was my shoe company. And my shoe company was, I started my shoe company in 2013. By 2015, I had a contract with La Perla. And Perla had 127 stores around the world. So you came out, you came out of... I came out swinging. (laughs) Well, I always say to people, when you jump, you fly. You literally jumped, you prepared for your jump, you were organized, you jumped and you flew. So that applies to a breakup, that applies to a business, that applies to leaving a job. You were prepared, but when you jump, you you actually really did fly. So you, wow, okay, but it's like... It doesn't feel like you just started from, it doesn't feel like you and just- And it wasn't like an easy road, <laughs> meaning I made so many mistakes in my shoe company. It was crazy. Like it's all in the book, all the things I did wrong, all yeah. the things I did right, all the people who I met. It's not, it was not a smooth sailing no. journey. I mean, we were always on the brink of closing every minute, you know, because it's- Yeah, a- but you had nothing to lose because you had been to the bottom in your life. Exactly. And losing so- would have meant going back. Right. There was no fucking way I was going back. So right. I had no choice. It had to succeed. So I, I couldn't give up because giving up would be death. It just couldn't happen. I would have to go back. My daughter would have to go you back. You would get shut out with the door. You'd go through the window. You, you had a million mistakes, but you figured it out. You kept, exactly. That's, that's why we have a lot in common because I was 38. I had no family, no money. I had $8,000 to my name and a $2,600 rent. I could not afford a $25 taxi downtown. I wasn't panhandling. I do not compare myself to the impoverished community, but I was broke. So I, this was not, I had nowhere to go. No one was going to ever pass away and leave me any money. I am an only child. I had been engaged and broken off all my engagements because I didn't want someone to support me. I just had to figure it out. Yeah, I wanted to do my, but I had no way to know. Yeah, you have to figure it out. There's no, it's not like, you know, because it's sound bites and because the book hasn't come out yet, it sounds like, oh yes, and I had a shoe brand and then it became a Perla and then I, 
It's not like that. It was hell. It was There's hell. no successful self-made person, <laughs> or even if it's been given to them, there's no person who's running a business on their own that it's working out of luck. There is nobody. Yeah, it's just, you it's could silly. get yeah, lucky. Exactly. And there's no Instagram influencer that it's working out of luck. It could yeah. start out of luck. There's no one who's just walking around successful out of luck. Yeah. Kim Kardashian is not lucky. Kim Kardashian works her ass off. She may exactly. have had strokes of luck by growing up in Beverly Hills and same thing with the rest of the family, but Kris Jenner does not fuck around. And that is all skill and hard work and strategy. Absolutely. And that's what it is. Like, you know, it's funny because, you know, I had patents pending on my shoes. I've invented this new kind of shapewear that's coming out. I've got shoes that are coming out next year that you can kind of click together. I've got all these things. I, I work 20 hour days. I don't think anyone now. has ever met me now. Oh, okay. Today. Now. These are all things that I have now. And yet still people say, oh, she married a rich guy. I would love to see if a successful man married a wealthy woman, if they would say, oh, he married a rich woman. It doesn't happen. So tell us about elite, because then I have a last. I, I literally, it's the first time I've ever not even looked at the questions asked. I haven't asked. <laughs> I've literally just, this has been insane. So tell me about elite. And this is what we all, what we might know of elite modeling agency, which is yes, now a big exactly. global enterprise. So what, what is it to people? So who know? when I took over, the only reason I did, because originally I said no, like 50 times, um, because to me, modeling was the flip side of the world I lived in. It was still women being objectified, being told to this, to that, da 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 da, being chosen by some man, and it just didn't sit well with me. Got it. But when I started doing research, because that's what I do, I research, I study my opponents. You know, uh, you got to be the Sun Tzu of of the entertainment industry, right? So once I studied the mistakes of my opponents, I realized that we are sitting at the crux of a completely new era in terms of how people connect to each other. So think about it like you, right? You have the audience. You're the talent. You have the audience. You have more audience than NBC does because the, the audience has shifted to the talent. So if the minute you start thinking that the audience has shifted to the talent, you realize, okay, if the talent has the audience, they're the media. Mm-hmm. Yes. They have the power. It's a massive shift in the power dynamic. Oh, like long gone are the days where the studio owned talent. They had studio talent. Exactly. And then, yeah, right. And, think yeah. about it. Yeah. And think about the fact that like, if you were a model, right? In the old, go back, not olden days, go back 10 years, go back seven years. You could not control your own career. You had to wait for someone to choose you, to pick you, for the phone to ring. You needed a casting agent or a creative director or a photographer to be like, I love her look, right? That's how it worked. Nowadays, it's the flip because now it's the casting agents and creative directors and photographers running after the talent because the talent has the audience. That means they have the power. The talent drives it now. And so that gives them freedom. And what it enabled me to do is to start looking at us as a media talent. The first talent is media conglomerate. So the two things that that enabled me to do, number one was expand the roster of who we represented because it isn't about the runway. It isn't about the magazine cover anymore. It's about not what you look like or how tall you are or how hot you are. It's who you are, right? Because in the end, to the person, to create longevity into your career, to become a brand, 
to build yourself into a network, you have to have something to say. So we sign deep sea divers and mountain climbers and rollerbladers. I don't care what, I have like the world's most renowned fencer. And you are running this company. I'm the CEO and co-owner. Okay, so how the hell do you go, and I know we have to get off soon, but I can't stop. How do you go from <laughs> being in a very, very, the most strict religious environment to sewing, to, sh- to taffeta at a wedding, to making shoes, to La per- even shoes to La Perla. Like you acted like that was a little short, cute trip from, you know, to, 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 to Roosevelt Island. So shoes to La Perla. And then who calls you and says, we want you to be, to head elite, which has nothing to do with La Perla. Like I'm saying, it's like, it's like someone calling me tomorrow and be like, we run Yahoo. Like no one's calling me to run Yahoo. Right. So the reason elite came about is because I had left La Perla um, I was current, I had invented, I was working on this invention that we're popping out this year. It's really exciting. It's going to be in Nordstrom and Neiman's and Dillard's all over the place. Um, and fashion or beauty thing, fashion, a shapewear okay. that doesn't look like shapewear. We change okay. the way the color is fused with fabric so it can stretch like Elastigirl. And so you can okay. have shapewear that looks like lingerie. It's really exciting. Okay. So I was working on all these things and my husband owned uh, Elite at the time. And so, and he was not happy with, you know, what was happening there. And he didn't think that he, he knows me by, at that point he knew me already. And he knew that I tend to not see what is, but see what could be. And I, and I'm a planner and an organizer. He saw my capabilities when we were at La Perla. And so he tried to convince me to take this over for probably nine months before I actually said yes, because he kept on saying, investigate, investigate, listen, study, learn, right? And so I bought into the company. I own half of it. Meaning separate from him? That's an important distinction. You're saying I bought it. We own 50% now. Each of us own 50%. I'm a co-owner of the company now. So you're partners with your husband? We are partners, correct. We are equal partners. Who gets the final say? No, we're literally 50-50. We're well, who breaks partners. the tie? What happens if there's like... We well, so the beauty of what the deal that we made is that... If I take over, I take over. Okay. That's, he has no, uh, he'll, you know, the beautiful thing about my husband is that he'll, he has never tried to take any credit from me. He's the person who touts my accomplishments to everyone who can, who he knows. So, I mean, you know, he's a really, you know, he took my last name. Let's just put it that way, right? Stop this is it. a man who, yeah, he took How my last name. How long ago did you get married? Two years ago. Wow. And, and he, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, because it took, you know, you know, I, I said yes to, you know, when he proposed to me, but I told him, look, I created Julia Hart. I made her. I'm not giving her up for any man. And so he was like, fine, no problem. And I figured, you know, he'll keep his last name. I'll keep my last name. No big deal. Then we order um, silverware from Tiffany mm-hmm. and a massive amount because I love entertaining. And, you know, once, once you, uh, what's it called? When you engrave it. That's it. No returns, right? Yeah. So they come. It's all this. I I think it was a set of, you know, for 30 people or 40 people. I can't remember exactly how many, but it's a massive set of cutlery of silver. Okay. And I open it up and it says on each fork, on each knife, it says J S with a big H in the middle. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh my God, they messed up a Tiffany. I told them I wasn't taking his last name. And so they thought it was my last name. And now we can't return it. What am I going to do? So I walk over to my husband. I'm like, "Um, surprise. I think Tiffany made a mistake. And he tells me, nope, 
They didn't make a mistake. I'm taking your <gasps> Oh my God. What a, what a pendulum swing from your former life. Right? Can you imagine? No, that's okay. Is that a widely known thing? Like in your world? Like that's crazy. You came from like, you're not allowed to even be a <laughs> quote unquote normal woman. Yeah. And now you have a man. That's the best part of that's the I'm so glad I asked that question. That's the craziest thing I've heard. And then usually I ask whether you're what percentage lucky, lucky and smart you are. That's been answered by this podcast. Um, I just would like to know um, your rose of your career and your thorn of your career. So the rose of my career is that, you know, people always, uh, Gertrude Stein, who uh, was a woman that I, you know, I've read about extensively because she was, um, a proud lesbian in the 1920s openly lived with her girlfriend at a time when that was not even remotely acceptable. She's considered the mother of impressionist art. She used to bring all these intellectuals to their, into their homes. So I thought that was such a beautiful way to live. And so she once said when asked about impressionist art, like, because this is where people would see it for the first time. Um, and so she once asked what people's reaction to the art was when they saw it for the first time. And she said a line that pretty much encapsulates my life. <laughs> she said, they come to mock, but they stay to pray. Meaning every time I've done something differently, you know, when I said, we're now talent media, we're going to go digital. We're going to bring in producers, directors, filmographers, videographers to truly transform our talent into brands and networks. We're going to give them longevity and financial control. We're going to build avatars out of them so they can walk 17 virtual runways in 17 countries without ever leaving their bedroom. All the things that I was talking about in 2019, people thought I was crazy. They literally thought I was crazy. Just like when I was on La Perla and I was talking about melding comfort with beauty and luxury and that women should no longer suffer for beauty. Again, I was told... Julia, don't talk. Comfort's a dirty word in the fashion industry. It was like, right. is that ridiculous? Men don't suffer for beauty. Why is comfort a dirty word? So always I tend to be the, you know, I'm always a source of, I guess, um, I'm like a lightning rod of, you know, because I'm constantly messing with the status quo and saying, well, this doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Let's do it this way. And so in the beginning, they come to mock. Then my ideas work. Now our valuation is literally, I mean, it was valued at 90 million. Um, you know, we've recently been valued by some banks that I will talk about on another day at over a billion dollars in two years. This was an unexpected. Well, I, I get asked every day, will you ever come back to the housewives? And you know what? The day that you come, the day that you do the housewives and I build a cast <laughs> around you and I, that's the day that I'll go back to the housewives. <laughs> Perfect, because I have a feeling you and I have a lot in common. A lot. Um, amazing. And see, we butt heads for a minute, but you just got to go on the journey with me. We I, did you know, it. So now we let's get the housekeeping it. out of the way, because you have a more cha- uh, crazy story that I really want to... What is the name of your book? It's called uh, Brazen. You've seen the cover on Amazon and Barnes & Noble or wherever else you can buy books. So that was the original cover that the... Um, my, I mean, and I love my publishers, um, came up with, but I told them guys, look, this is my story. I really want to design my own cover. Wow. That's crazy. It looks amazing. It looks very serious. It looks amazing. Great, great title. And then the show is my unorthodox life also on Netflix. 
And um, last thing, because I talk about successful relationships between successful people, which you and your husband inarguably are. What are your guidelines, your rules, things in a day-to-day relationship that create a successful relationship? I just think, honestly, mutual respect and equality. Because my my first marriage, it's not that my my ex-husband was bad or unkind in any way. He really was not. He's a genuinely lovely human being. But he was taught... He's as much a victim as I am. He was taught that his, his purpose was to police me. Right. And so what I realized with Sylvia, I think the biggest takeaway is that you can still be independent and respected as an individual, even within a marriage. Well, this was extraordinary to say the least. And I'm glad we got as much as we could to connect those two worlds because it's important. Thank you so much. That was really fun. So that was Julia Hart. Okay, so I didn't even know who she was. I know of the company Elite. This is a woman who was living in what she felt to be an imprisonment where women were an inferior, were just, were like an inferior race. It was almost like women were, it's not almost, women are inferior in this community. This is a woman who went from that to sewing, which was something that she was allowed to do, and cooking, to having a shoe business, to working as the creative director of La Perla, to now being married to a man who took her last name and who is the CEO of Elite, which is an international, you know, it's a global media company that she was laughed at just a couple years ago, and it was valued at probably $100 million, and now it's valued at more than $1 billion. She has a book called Brazen. She is probably less brazen than I am, but she's certainly brazen. And we started off, and I think she just thought this was going to be a business conversation where she was just going to promote her book like every other podcast. And I really held her feet to the fire to explain to us where she's come from so we understand the trajectory of where she's come from to where she is now, from going from living a life in black and white to living a life in color. Literally, it went from where I was almost going to say, this may not be the podcast for you, to it being, I went longer than anybody and it being probably my favorite podcast. This was crazy. Let's see what you think. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It always gets a little heated around here in some way or another. I'm always on the brink of getting myself in serious trouble, which I knew walking into this experience. So thank you for listening and growing with us because this podcast is growing and it's all thanks to you. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture, like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly, I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.